The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Brad Coima is joining us with Coima and Kamek out of Sioux Center, Iowa, which means we dive into the livestock first and foremost. And I can tell our livestock producers, both cattle and hogs, we've got some positive vibes going on, which is a good thing. So as we look at this cattle market, let's start with those average weights that you had some concerns about, especially with the government shutdown, Brad. All right. I'll be glad to. And and. Thanks for having me on after I had to stand you up a time or two. Um, so I apologize publicly for that. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I've been on the program enough times that I think your listeners know that I'm, you know, a big part of me is still a fundamentalist, um, even though I understand clearly that the technicals are uh, important, of course. But one of the one of the key fundamentals that I like to look at in terms of the cattle thing is, is, is how current we are, and, and that measure is, is basically what the cattle weigh. Um, so, uh, one of the casualties of this temper or this, uh, uh, partial government shutdown is that we've lost that reporting. So like this morning, we normally would have gotten exports and we would have gotten average weights, albeit they're 13 days old by the time they get it. Also a point of contention. I think it's stupid. You know, we get hog weights 24 hours later and we kill three times as many hogs a day as we do cattle, four times about. Um, and, and, uh, uh, but we can't seem to pull that off. It, believe me, I'm working on that at, that, uh, at, at the NCBA level as well to try to get that. There's no reason we can't know what the weights are every day. The packer certainly knows what they are. But anyway, so we haven't gotten that for two weeks now. The, the last time we had weights, two weeks ago, the average carcass weights, carcass weights now, had dropped 10 pounds below a year ago. 10 pounds on a carcass, that's a big deal. And I got a feeling that if we didn't know what the weights were this morning and the last Thursday that they have dropped probably that much again. So I really believe that the feedlot, some of it might be weather, um, and some of it might be that these cattle actually make a, a nickel or a dime here for the most part, but I think we've got ourselves in a pretty current a situation here in the feedlot, which uh, I think is encouraging, Susan. Well, you look at those those weights, and there's been some weather concerns. We've had a definite cold snap that's gone from Texas all the way up through the Dakotas. Do you think that's going to have any effect on these weights? Well, I, I, that and the mud. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that the, the that, that rain, we had an inch and seven-tenths of rain, okay? I mean, here, which, you know, you got black dirt, black feedlots and, and, and rain and then some snow on top of it. And I know, you know, my friends all the way down into northeast Nebraska that I'm real connected or know well, very well, you know, same situation. Um, the mud probably is as is, is, is much of a, uh, a cost of game, uh, uh, rate of game uh, hurt than any other uh, thing there is. So uh, it's also made cattle a little bit difficult to sell live because these cattle are carrying so much mud. But um no, I think very much so now. This break we're getting in the weather is maybe going to take a little of that edge off of it. And it looks like, you know, as far as the eye can see here at least, it looks like things pretty moderate, you know, in terms of what the weather forecast looks. So maybe we won't have to talk about that for a couple of weeks. Let's look at other aspects of this um, cattle market. You talked about the weights, but looking at the crystal ball, where are we at for, for demand-wise on these cattle with the domestic side? Okay, I think that's a good question because everybody's you know, a little unnerved by this big break that we've had in the stock market, right? Uh, and all the uh, you know hyperbole that goes along with the uh, uh, partial government shutdown, and you know seems like we can't get along, right? Um, so we've had a pretty good break. Uh, interest rates have come up a long ways. Uh, 
You know, so now, I, you know, I wish I, I don't have the answer to this, of course, but as I look at what I do know about the upfront business on the beef, I can tell you that it has been nothing short of spectacular moving into the month of January. Uh, if you look purely at the seasonality of the, of the beef market, you can just about figure, well, I shouldn't say it that strongly. There's a strong seasonal tendency to to about, oh, my birthday is December 15th. Okay, it starts about there. That's when you rally the meat. That's how I remember it. And you <laughs> take that all the way until a week before the Super Bowl. Okay? Uh, then it seems like some of our heating habits and the, and the featuring switches to something that's more mundane. Okay? Like, who doesn't want to eat another $1.89 pork line? Just kidding. Just kidding. Pork producers. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there there are some certain staple things that you go back to, to uh, uh, you know, featuring when you get on the backside of that. But one thing that was different last year was they started to feature the middle meats this time of the year last year. I'm talking about the steak cuts, you know, the, the, the ribeyes, the strips, the loins. And then they just kept on doing it because they found out with a strong economy that there was a sector of the public out there that, you know what, I'm going to eat a ribeye. And uh, so that strong middle meat feature stayed all winter long and into the springtime last year. So I wouldn't at all be surprised that we'll do that again. I, I really think that demand is alive and well, and, and the global demand is... Uh, is uh, getting better all the time, and I think it'll continue to get better. Demand's there for the hogs as well? Well, it sure is. You know, the hog thing, I'm a little encouraged on the hogs, quite a little, in fact, right now for a minute. I was worried, and I think I might have mentioned it on your program, that I was a little worried that when we came out of the backside of these two holiday weeks with the short kills, when you're killing this many of them, that maybe or maybe not, we would be able to, you know, would we feel, still feel pretty current? In fact, so far, this early part of the new year now, I know, but I feel like I don't, I'm not worried. I think we we came through that holiday deal pretty good. I got customers telling us that they can find plenty of slots to get Hogstead next week, which is a good sign. Um, you know, one of the you know the girl in the in the room uh, in, is a ASF. Um, mm-hmm. if, if we can stay away from it here in the U.S., you know, I, I, I just think the market's going higher and maybe significantly. So. Um, but I, I don't even want to bring it up because it's just, uh, you know, I, it, it is so transmittable and such a hot virus that I know, you know, a lot of the pundits are worried that, that we're going to have a hard time avoiding it here in the U.S. But um, I, I hope they're wrong. I hope we can stay away from it. Then I think we could have a pretty nice bounce in the hogs. Now, you talk about the, the hogs and the cash and the for both cattle and hogs. You say for this first quarter look to be pretty optimistic. I am optimistic. I think the cash cattle are going higher. Uh, I think we can get someplace in the mid to upper 20s uh, on the cash cattle here in the next 30 to 45 days. Uh, if weather becomes a bigger issue, maybe you know, maybe even a little bit better than that. Um, I think you know we're going to get current enough. And here's the key here that we're going to be able to maybe leverage our way into forcing the packer to share some of those monster margins that he's got. Well, stick around, folks. We have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up. Grain side of it, some actions and some things to think about when it comes to making some purchases. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Being joined by Brad Coima of Coima and Kamek in Sioux Center, Iowa. Dived in a lot of what's been happening on the livestock side with some higher numbers. Obviously, our livestock producers closely watching what happens on the grain complex as well. Looking to South America, there has been a lot of talk. I know some early harvest is underway, but there's some dry areas of concern down there. We finally, finally have a little flicker of something <laughs> friendly maybe to talk about right um this bean deal it has been it has been like the great abyss for lack of good news here uh you know what with tariffs and lack of exports and 
monster crop and blah 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 um you're right there's an area um there's an area that's been dry now i would i would caution you and everyone else that this isn't exactly necessarily for that area a super critical time in the growing season uh, in other words it can be dry without a lot happening but you know hey at least it's it's something that we can can hang out there and it's been a while since they've had a, a little bit of a problem it's been a while since any of the large growing areas a few years since we've had a problem so uh, that's out there and it's getting mentioned okay in the market and and so it, it's worth us mentioning it um there's also been a little fresh uh, chatter about another round of china buying you know we had that 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 well I, I thought it was a pretty big step that they started to buy some again but there were some that were disappointed it wasn't more but that's the way futures markets seem to work but i, I think there's a little more talk that there's maybe another round of China buying uh, that's going to just blow the surface here. So that that's been a little helpful too, at least from the standpoint of getting the beans off their uh, off their lows here. Well, I'm sure there's some frustration coming from you guys too because we've got this partial government shutdown. We're not getting information, so you're relying on other sources to be able to find out who's making the purchases globally and how it's going to affect our producers. Well. You know, I, I'm, I, my side of the desk, I hear, you know, and I understand that I got customers, and sometimes I probably voice those same frustrations of, you know, come on, can't they get this right, and yada, yada, griping about, you know, it seems like the government numbers don't quote-unquote add up or something, you know, I, uh, and they're doing their best, right? And they're doing their best to try to come up with numbers, but you look at it, and some people say, I wish we didn't have them, not me. You know, I would much rather have a, a, at least a, a unbiased uh, a government report uh, you know, rather than to, to speculate on this, I really hope we get to get the January 11 crop report um, out because I I thought maybe that's where we might reconcile even some lower yields yet into the corn market. I don't expect any major shifts on the bean thing, but I thought that there's still a chance we're going to ratchet this corn yield down another round or this corn yield down another chunk, uh, which might give us a catalyst to get this corn market to rally a little bit finally. Are we going to be able to even get the data put together should this partial government shutdown come to an end the last i read on it this morning uh was uh, unlikely that even if they would get a fix like say tomorrow um it would probably be difficult to pull all that data together so i i guess that's the reality no more no sense having wishful thinking for getting the report i just hope it comes out you know sooner rather than later i guess very much so you've got some great um uh, thoughts and some prospects for when it comes to buying the july corn okay you know so we sit here and, and, and this is just something that we've been visiting about with some of our clientele, and this is by no means a, 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 a guarantee that this is some lock, but I, I'm going to just you know run this idea you know past you. I, I think anybody that's out there that's listening carefully at all knows, uh, I mean, if he does any marketing whatsoever, he knows that the last, what, four years, you've had an opportunity to sell uh, December corn about $4 a little ways, you know, 410 418 425 436 or something like that last year. Um, and then what happens to us, and I'm not pointing any fingers because I get it. I'm a farmer, too. Usually when you're at that level, it's because, what, it's dry or it's too wet or, you know, you're worried that you've got some major crop problem coming. So here's an idea that I run by some of our customers. What about buying, like, an out-of-the-money corn call, like a 410 July corn call for, say, 12 cents or whatever it is? It was like a dime a couple days ago, but we had a little rally today. Um, so now what have we got? Well, I hope that that's the courage pill, you know, so that if or when we do rally, uh, say this spring, if it, the weather doesn't feel quite right, um, and we rally the thing to 420 and you're going like, boy, I, would, I suppose it was right to sell it the last four years, but now I don't dare to. 
Well, maybe you would because you got the underlying call underneath, you know, to support the idea that if I do some marketing and we do, in fact, stay dry, I've got that call option to protect me against the thing running away to the top side. So that is some things that we're, you know, suggesting to some of the clients if they're willing to. It's maybe a little bit of an odd way to think, but these markets are a challenge. When you're working on these kind of thin margins, it, uh, it, you've got to be creative. And you've got the the looming, all the trade wars and all the things that have been taking place, the way the dollar is. There's a lot different feel to this year's marketing plan than I think what they had to deal with in 2018. Oh, man. Um, You said a mouthful. Um, You know, that after four years of low prices, that, you know, know, it's just the nature of the market that you don't stay steady, you know, down here forever. Um, And yet, We've got some weird stuff going on now, you know. Um, so I, I, I think you've got to, as a, as a hedger, I think you've got to do what you've got to do to take control of your situation. Uh, so what's the best way then for producers to get a hold of you, Brad, to talk about these markets? 800-358-3047. Thanks for having me on. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.